0: Lead from the Side is made in partnership with Ample and Performance Leadership, a co-venture of Western Bulldogs and Victoria University. Hi, I'm Spencer Casimir and this is Lead from the Side. Previously, I sat down with Dave Stevenson to talk about his time at Nike, the AFL and Western Bulldogs. Most recently, has been appointed CEO of the NBL, but at the time of this interview, he was still at the AFL house. Dave speaking about his time at each one of these places provides valuable insight into his experiences and what we can learn about how leadership is not just monolithic, but needs to be applied appropriately for the surrounding environment. One of the first things that we're going to talk about after we address the big elephant uh, center bounce next week is what the differences are between being in the sports world as opposed to the sport-adjacent world, uh, where the overlaps, where the differences, and uh, just filling us in on what's going on. So what can we expect?
1: Yeah, look, I, we're really excited about next week. But before we get into the men's season, I also just wanted to highlight that we've actually had the women's season that's been going on already for a couple of months. Um, it's amazing the ratings and, and interest in in that league. We've got four new teams coming in. This next season, so that'll make it our full 18 teams. Um, And we can't wait for AFLW finals to kick off next week as well. But uh, in answer to the original question, uh, AFL round one, uh, the men's season starting next week. um, I'm not sure I can remember a season that's had more intrigue and interest than, than this one in 2022. Ideally our plan is to break the single round records so a little over 400,000 people. Um, it's all building really nicely. So we can't wait for Wednesday night.
0: Let's go back to the women for a
1: moment. The
0: way the AFL has gone about generating teams and producing competition between the traditional clubs. And it's interesting to see how the AFL has developed and will soon be an 18 team competition.
1: Yeah, I, I think um, it, it's been an amazing success story. And, and frankly, we're not sure we saw it all coming. What we've really seen is a pretty significant cultural shift that now people realise, hey, I, I barrack for Hawthorne, but I support the club rather than just supporting the men's team. And I think of how that's really helped the AFL improve a lot because you've got this really great balance of, of men and women athletes and we can't wait to expand it even further.
0: So the AFL season for the men's is starting next week. What are we looking at in terms of how the season and how the game is going to unfold differently from last year and previous?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Spencer. I mean, I think what we wanted to make sure that it was this great celebration of football to really feel that energy and that buzz. And, and, and that's really what helped create then this notion of what we've called a, a festival of football. So uh, at the MCG, there'll be a big festival live site. There'll be music and We've got some really great match day experiences, so whether it's entertainment, uh, whether it's some of the technology that we're using at, at Marvel Stadium with new scoreboards and AV, and, and I think our, our broadcast partners do a fantastic job, but what we're trying to do is really um, reinforce to people that the emotion and the experience that comes with seeing games live and feel that emotion and those shivers on the back of your back of your spine, that's what AFL is about and doing that with the people that, that you love. And so that's what we've tried to create this year.
0: I think about watching the game and seeing the action off the ball. There's only so much you can see on TV. I don't know how much that plays into emotion, but the fact that you're focusing on the communal emotion that you only get from being live with other people is just as exciting.
1: Yeah, and it was you know a great story that um, reinforced that value of that emotion. Um, as you, you no doubt are aware, Melbourne won won the premiership in Perth fifty seven years since their last flag. They did a function pre Christmas where they replayed the game at the MCG, and I think they had thirty or forty thousand people um, who came along and they presented the players, and it was a fantastic day. But what was staggering was. Whenever there was a great goal, people rising out of their chair and cheering, uh, or they, you know, clap their hands when Max came off for a break. Being around other people and that joy, that's what we're trying to bring back.
0: Uh, what you're talking about is so real in terms of emotion and in terms of how we engage with the sports that we love, that it's you know, it's fortunate we've never had to think about it that way until the lockdowns occurred. We could just love the game for what it is. I do want to segue though into well, I should say, away from the game itself and into your piece of the puzzle in the game. I'd love to hear about how you brought your experience at Bulldogs, how you brought the experience at Nike into the AFL House. You're an innovator. I want to hear about the innovation. You know, where did it work? Where did it not?
1: Yeah, great. Thanks, Spencer. I mean, look, I, I had a great experience at the Bulldogs. I was very proud of the results um, that the whole club achieved. It certainly wasn't, wasn't just down to me. But I think what it also did was to help understand how the AFL industry works. And so, when we started to think about growth, we've had a lot of those multi-generational fans. We've been operating in traditional markets geographically for a long time. Now we've got this opportunity to uh, open the the aperture and, and start to look beyond our traditional businesses. So there was a few different dimensions of that. There was a geographical dimension. So. Um, how we grow in New South Wales and Queensland uh, domestically and then internationally. There was a gender view. So how do we build our women's interest both in uh, AFLW, but also in in the men's game, there was an age perspective of that. So leading our kids business and how do we know that that eight to 10 age group is really important where kids decide, um, you know, which of the sports they like and and have a connection to, and then certainly an ethnicity uh, dimension as well. So, Again, um, half the country is either they're born overseas or one of their parents are born overseas. So under each one of those dimensions is where we started to grow. So, um, for instance, geographically, you know, China and India, um, lots of crazy stories that happened to get there, but um, that was really important for us. And and that first game ended up being the most watched game of AFL in history, bigger than any grand final we'd had. Uh, That gender view, we had this big gap because almost half of the people who attended games were women which was great and we felt really proud about that but on every other dimension kind of mid-20s to to high 20s so how do we close that gap Uh, from an age point of view some obvious ones like uh, like Auskick and how we expanded out to be more more contemporary that's about where the innovation comes from so how do we make sure that we can be more tailored uh, to to what the consumer is looking for.
0: If you're looking to level up your ability to lead and inspire others, then Performance Leadership is the course for you. Performance Leadership is a unique and exciting professional development course delivered in partnership with Western Bulldogs and Victoria University. The two-day course focuses on practical learning with a range of facilitated activities. Learning is complemented by high-performance sport insights from a range of Western Bulldogs guest speakers and senior industry leaders. Join like-minded professionals at Performance Leadership in Melbourne this October. To find out more, visit education.westernbulldogs.com.au. I almost look at this as uh, constantly opening up geography. Now we're known as the Australian Football League, the AFL. Is that keeping, is that holding us in now uh, to Australia?
1: Yeah, it's a really good point and certainly one that we had um, some challenges as we were growing and and building the business in in China and India and elsewhere uh, because people thought, hey, are we so myopic that our focus is just Australia? Well, Well, what about more broadly? I think one of the things that we love the most about our fans is they are so fiercely passionate and protective of the game. Every time we try and put a new team in in New South Wales and Queensland, people are going to complain. And so one of the things that, that um, definitely makes our ability to innovate and try different things a little bit more challenging because there's, you know, there's a public sentiment we certainly need to take into our decision-making. Probably it's more evolutionary on some of those things rather than uh, revolutionary overnight. And that's where I think we get a chance to be able to use a different product portfolio to try things. So an example in, in AFLW, where we have 16 players on the field instead of 18, um, and how we try things at community level or state leagues or OzKick, all of those things we're constantly innovating and trying so that we can make as best connection to to fans as possible.
0: There have been arguments to say that having 16 aside even at the men's would prevent a lot of the issues with flooding and compacting play on the field again i don't think rules should be changed willy-nilly for the sake of it but i do think it's a responsibility of administrators to maintain the style of play so it's really interesting to hear how you've gone about doing that
1: yeah and there was also some um some research and evolution of thinking over the last probably five years we had thought that fans wanted higher scoring but what we actually uh worked at in, in spending more time listening to consumers, which is which is something I'm, I'm very passionate about, is that people actually would prefer a closer game than a high scoring game. And I think therefore it comes back to some of those policies that aren't probably as sexy as rule changes, but things like competitive balance, that's really important for us because if if genuinely every One of the 18 teams um, feel like hey we're a chance to to win the premiership this year then that creates the best connection rather than feeling like hey the decision's already made uh, because of some unfair um, structural inequities.
0: What let's I'm really curious to talk about your time at Nike actually how that translates from being sports adjacent to in sport itself what's the business translation process like where are the similarities and differences lie
1: yeah, it's a great question. I think there are a lot of similarities between the sports businesses and, and as you call them, sports adjacencies. The, the commonality um, or two key commonalities from my perspective, one is the presence of emotion, the power of emotion that comes with connecting either um, consumers with products, consumers with athletes, or connecting uh, people together is is still very common, whether or not it's in um Uh, whatever type of business it is. And I think the second one is the value that comes with people working as a team. What's different, I think, with sport and and sports adjacencies is when you can get people coming together and working well together and create some synergy, then all of a sudden you can unlock amazing, amazing potential. You know, in the business I ran in my last role there was 156 countries. And so what the Nike culture was like in Brazil versus India versus New Zealand versus South Africa versus Korea all very different but the commonality between them was this notion of playing and winning and losing as a team Um, and one of the things I used to love it at the Bulldogs was Monday mornings when you had a great win on the weekend everyone is 10 foot tall and strong and happy and smiling and Everyone's buying you coffee or you know you lunch, what can we do, everyone's up and about. And, and then what happens on a Monday morning when you lose and particularly a, a, a loss that you weren't expecting, everyone's down, um, doesn't, doesn't wanna look anywhere else in their eyes, no one wants to buy you coffee, no one wants to go out for lunch. And so that volatility is really infectious because when you do get it together and you win and you have some great success, the connection is much deeper. Whereas when you're at the AFL, um, we don't necessarily have that same volatility on the same on-field metrics. And again, from a Nike point of view, um, as much as your scoreboard was very much those quarterly earnings and um, that Wall Street and you had a, a stock market price, but that was never the driver for people. That was never what got people out of bed. It was always about how can we work together? How can we create something special? How can we innovate and do things differently? I think that's um that was such an amazing part of Nike.
0: Is there something
1: to be said
0: when you're in Clubland about encouraging people after the you know on that Monday after a loss to actually do go out and get coffee and to do get you know lunch with somebody and to do these things? I mean, what do you think about that?
1: yeah, it, it's um it's certainly the challenge Aaron you know, as a CEO, what you're trying to do is minimize the volatility. So definitely um, a different rhythm between the football department and the and the admin team. So as CEO, when you're trying to bridge those, I tell you the, the other thing that was you know a, a difference between those two businesses is tenure. So in the Bulldogs or, or, or certainly as the AFL industry, the, there's a lot of people who have been in roles for a long period of time, and it's very much a relational based industry it's easier to get things done. In Nike, I think in my um, 17 years, and I think I probably had 12 odd roles. And the way that Nike thought about it is, hey, your first year, you're just trying to learn the business. The second year, you're really making some great progress and getting some good wins. And the third year, you're setting it up for someone else to take it on. And then you go into a new role with this great level of energy and excitement and optimism of hey, why can't we do this? You know, let's try and solve the world's problems because you're new and fresh. That's really different to the AFL industry where, again, tenure becomes more important. Is there a preference for the cohesiveness, what we
0: see here, the innovation of what you experienced in Nike, or is there something in the middle, in the roles that you just discussed? So we'd love to get your feedback because this is a question that comes up constantly.
1: Yeah, it's it's a challenge. My, My personal view is the best leaders and teams have an agile approach to be at either end of the spectrum. And so the good teams can say, hey, we want to take the historical experience and learnings, but we want to apply a fresh set of eyes. Um, So I think having teams who can play in either of those styles becomes important. And and, and another example is, you know, our, our different approach with our teams who run businesses in Queensland that's traditionally not an AFL state versus what we do in Victoria, which is a very traditional state. So the mindset and the plan for Queensland has to be very different than what it is in Victoria because the game and the product is at a different stage of development. Part of them listening to the consumers is to understand what's the solution that works for them. And so for the mid-60s, male, um, again, broad generalisations, we needed to have some structure in our competition, not change a lot of rules. But for a nine-year-old, doesn't want to sit through sometimes three hours of football in the same way that their parents or their parents' parents did. So if you keep listening enough to the consumers and therefore you can plan a product or an experience that works for them, then I think you get a better result.
0: The uh, the minis versions that we do see of the game are great. My kids love the minis, but it's it's also great as a parent because, you know, you got kids, you can do it with them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that will only um, continue. I think in the future, we'll have more and more products, more and more experiences, more and more services to make sure that we can cater to a, a much bigger proportion of, of the population.
0: You know what? I'm going to go there. Let's talk about Canberra. What are we looking at with Canberra? <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, I think uh, it's definitely great passion in Canberra. They've got a really strong league there. Over time, it'd be interesting to see um, as the league expands, does Canberra justify having its own team? So you've seen all the dialogue about Tasmania and where that's at and Darwin uh, certainly uh, looking to explore those opportunities but we've got these amazing romantic um, connections to our teams that enables um, connection with our game that doesn't necessarily have to only be geographical
0: i've always thought about the interstate identities for sports teams and it strikes me as an interesting proposition at least and love to get your thoughts on it you know should we be looking at interstate uh identity with clubs
1: so a lot of our teams have what we call secondary markets. So Hawthorne and North Melbourne playing in Tasmania, Bulldogs in Ballarat, GWS in in Canberra, Gold Coast playing in Cairns as an example. So some of those, I think, make uh, strategic sense. For some of the others like North Melbourne and, and Hawthorne, Tasmania provides a really strong financial proposition for them, um, and, and that's okay. So where, where does the next 30, 40, 50 years of growth look like for each of those clubs um, where is it in their traditional markets where is it in their in their growth markets <laughs> all right so so we may or
0: may not be looking at a rebranded northern bombers uh to take up all of northern victoria and maybe all the way up beyond albury wodonga uh just go right up to the Barassi line
1: <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure they'd love that but i'm i'm sure changing the name away from esternum would create some <laughs> angst.
0: I'd like to cap this before I say thank you with if you have any personal stories about overcoming and how to meet these hurdles. And if you have any good business advice that you wish you knew sooner.
1: Look, I think one of the learnings I had was actually um, at Nike in, in China. And if you kind of look at, you know, a pie chart of your time, um, Nike was taking up a, a massive proportion, of probably, you know, 95%. Uh, my wife was working for a Nike-adjacent company. Uh, it was just a big part of what we did, and and I loved it. I loved every minute of it. But once we got to China about a year in, then things started to change. We'd had our first child, and I was travelling probably three weeks out of four. I was working these long, crazy hours during the day, um, then have dinners and things at night, and it became really unmanageable. But I kind of realised that lesson um, that really without having a balanced life i don't think you make great decisions and so for periods of time of course you know we all need to jump in and and you're working over and above but i don't think you can do that sustainably i'm at my best when i've got a, a good balance a job that i love and i'm passionate about but mixed with a great family and a great friendship group and exercise is really important for me and so i think that the lesson, that I would suggest for everybody is what's that right balance that works for you at that time. And then, um, as much as we can sometimes get energy and again get our egos are being fed by one particular area. Um, but sometimes if, if you spend too much time on that and you don't invest in all those other areas of your life, then I'm not sure that, uh, that you're at your best. So that would be my one piece of advice.
0: Life changes no matter what for us all and your encouragement to be reasonable and to pivot with the life changes along with your business ones, it's going to happen to us all, no matter what, that will be there. So uh, on that note, very positive note, I'd like to thank you, Dave, for coming on. Uh, It's always been great. And always thank you for even making that first time to meet with me all those years ago. Um, I appreciate it. And, you know, I look forward to our next coffee.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much for all of your your support, not only the AFL and uh, more broadly across sport, but also I think doing a podcast like this and helping people on their career journeys. I think you should be applauded for that. So well done. Thanks for listening today. Lead from the Side is made in partnership with Ample
0: and thanks to our sponsors. More information about the show and our guests can be found in the show notes. You can follow the show on Twitter or LinkedIn at Lead from the Side or myself on Twitter or LinkedIn at PhD. If you want to contribute to the show, send us an email at leadfromtheside at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. See you next time, and remember to lead from the side.